Today we are talking about um, the names of Jesus. Um, and so obviously there's the name Jesus, but we're talking about the revelation of Jesus' character. And we started talking about this last Sunday. We started talking about how uh, he's a faithful witness and how the book of Revelation describes in chapter 1 the different kind of look of Jesus and how he uh, presents himself. And Revelation is just such an exciting book because Revelation 1.1, the first words of the book are the revelation of Jesus. And this is Jesus revealing Jesus. It's like the uninterrupted, unfoggy, I mean, the Bible's not foggy, but like Revelation is like, I want to describe myself, and this is my description to you of my appearance and my glory and what you need to know, particularly as you go into times of trouble. And how many of us know that we're in like a little bit of a greater magnitude of times of trouble in our city as we go through like a plague. <laughs> so uh, as we go through a plague, it's really important to know Jesus the way he describes himself for people who are about to go into trouble, which is all of us, right? Like, I mean, we all have trouble in our lives and sometimes we go through it in a bigger way as a family and sometimes we go through it as a church. Sometimes we go through it as a globe. And uh, so we need to be prepared. And so I really want to talk about Jesus revealing Jesus um, and another word for the revelation is the unveiling. The unveiling, the revelation, the unveiling of Jesus. Can you imagine the unveiling Jesus displayed? Uh, and today, uh, last time I actually started talking about one of the descriptions, I talked about the faithful witness because that was the first description he uses. But now I'm t- it feels like I'm doing everything backwards. So by the time we're done the book, I'll probably be done explaining why I'm doing the book. But Because uh, I just kind of jumped in and now I'm going backwards and explaining why I'm doing things. Uh, so anyway, sorry about that. Maybe that's just the way my brain works sometimes. Uh, so now, like last time, I'm ex- I started actually describing the faithful witness. Now I'm going to tell you why I did that. Uh, why the descriptions of Jesus are so important and why we need to spend time and energy uh, looking at it and um, kind of appreciating him. Okay. Um, so, you know, most of you, I think, know that I'm a psychologist. So most of my examples kind of come from there. And one of the primary things that I do as a psychologist is see people. That's the way we kind of describe it sometimes. Uh, we talk, I talk about being, people talk about, oh, I, I was seen. I was, another word for, I was understood. Uh, you saw me uh, is kind of how people will talk about it. Nobody sees me is often a complaint. And there's lots of ways that seeing somebody will change them. So when people come in for therapy, one of my goals is to see that person, to really understand them and see their perspective, to take... And sometimes I'll sit back, and people let me do this because they know what I'm doing and they like it when I do it. I'll sit back and I'll close my eyes, you know, as I'm talking to somebody, and I will just try as hard as I can to imagine the world from that person's point of view. And people will give me lots of time in a session to just try to imagine things from their point of view. If I come out with something good, if I, can, if, I, if I can imagine things and then I take a guess and I'm like, boy, and when I think about everything you told me, this is how it must feel and look to be you. you must, are you worried about this? Because that's what I imagine I would be worried about if I was in your shoes. And the person will light up and they're like, wow, I'm glad I gave you that. They don't say this, but there's this feeling of I'm glad I gave you that time to really sit back and imagine what it's like to be me. People love it. They relax. They calm down. There's lots of things I could say about that. But today we're talking about seeing Jesus. And Jesus isn't a client. 
So I don't want to talk about how Jesus reacts when we see him. What I want to talk about is how it changes the person who to sees the person. Like, how do we change when we see Jesus? How do I change when I see a client? How do I change when I see the client and who they really are? So when I see somebody, when I really understand them, uh, I change in my emotions quite quickly. One thing is I become more understanding. I'll just summarize a few things. I become more understanding of them. I grow in my affection for them, even though usually they're quite off-putting in some way. Often they're quite off-putting. Um, but, or they're, they're displaying a really difficult emotion. Maybe at me. But if I can understand them, I will grow in affection with them, and I'll align with them, and I'll have their goals will become my goals. So I'll give you an example. It's kind of uh, an interesting example. This is, might be something you haven't run into, or maybe didn't know that you ran into, and that's giftedness. Uh, intelligence is something that is really desired in our society, like beauty, and it's like really held in high esteem. And some people who come into my clinic are intellectually gifted. And sometimes I'm the one who does the test to find that they're intellectually gifted. And sometimes they don't get the test to find out that they're intellectually gifted. Sometimes when they're adults, we just talk about it and I kind of figure it out. I'm like, there's a good chance that you're gifted. Um, because I've seen it so often and I kind of know what to look for. And you may be thinking right now, why are you seeing clients who are gifted? Don't they not need a therapist? Don't they not need... Why would they need a psychologist? Research would say that um, people who are gifted are not any happier than anybody else. And they sometimes have certain problems that are more difficult for them to manage. Um, they certainly see the world differently and they have difficulty often in their relationships. They often feel very isolated and alone. And they often come across as conceited and superior. Or awkward. Uh, they, so connection is really hard for people, often more challenging for people who are, feel, who are gifted intellectually. It's hard for them to relate to others. And it can be enormously helpful for people when they discover that they're gifted. Oftentimes they don't realize that they are. They know that they can do some things that other people can't do, but they haven't necessarily had a lot of success in their life. And they just know that things are difficult for them. And when I tell them, hey, you're gifted, like you're intellectually gifted, your IQ is hard to measure, they often will relax. And, and then I, when I explain what happens to somebody who's gifted, they will resonate inside of themselves emotionally with what I'm saying, and they will have more peace in themselves. And when I'm communicating with them, they become... I, when I realize that they're gifted, when I realize it, when I put it together, and hopefully it's taking me less time to realize these things as I see clients more and more in my career, but when, uh, there is a time when I didn't know, and there's a time when I realize it, all of a sudden I become more relaxed in the session, and I become more understanding of what they're experiencing, and I'm able to communicate with them better, and I become more giving. One of the realities that I've come to understand is that you can only love somebody when you understand who they are. You can only love somebody or display love or experience connection when you understand who they are. Now, you might disagree and, and start talking about love at first sight. That's fine. 
Um, we could talk about that in depth, but when if I was to run into somebody on the street and they said, oh, I love you, I would maybe be a bit flattered, but it wouldn't really hit my soul. It would be more like, that's actually more about you than it is about me. That's about your reality, because you don't know me. You don't know who I am. And I would go up, you know, back to my office or wherever I'm going, and I would just be like, well, that was kind of strange, and that person maybe had some issues. But if they came up and they talked to me, we had coffee together, and I shared my deepest, darkest secrets and all of my insecurities, and I told them who I was, and, I, and they displayed understanding. They didn't just kind of look at the clock. They, they looked at me, and they understood who I was in that moment. And I believed that they understood me. And then they said that they loved me. I would find that fascinating. I'd be like, Really? You love me? I just told you who I was. I told you things that I thought people couldn't love, people didn't love, people would reject, and here you are loving me. And all of a sudden it would become fascinating and meaningful. You can open up your heart to Jesus. You can have love at first sight with God. And I believe that the Spirit changes some of these realities, and that could be a very real experience. But let me tell you, as you understand who God is and what he represents and what he's doing in your life and what he's doing in the world, as you understand that and still love him, it's orders of magnitude more powerful in your own spirit. Now, God's a bit different than another person because he understands you already. He doesn't have to talk to you. So when God just comes up to you on the street and says, I love you, it's not about, it's not about the fact that he doesn't know you yet and he's got his own issues around love. He knows you perfectly, so he can do that. So this is primarily about us. When we understand him better and we say, I love you, when we have that informed connection... It is so much more powerful. So this is why it's so important to study Revelation, because Revelation 1.1 says the revelation of Jesus Christ. We want him unveiled. We want him, his love for us is constant. But what we want to do is understand him so that when we say I love you, that love, we can open up our hearts and that love can enter in. That, that, that understanding can open up our hearts to him. Last week we talked about faithful witness, like I said. There's over 300 different descriptions of Jesus in the Old Testament and the New Testament. 30 of them in the book of Revelation, the ones that he tells us about himself. The first thing that I want to talk about in terms of the dynamics that happen between us and him when we understand him is protection. When we feel protected, when we, when we understand him, when we're more aligned with him, we are less likely to fall into deception. One of the main reasons why he's describing himself in the book of Revelation is that the main, one of the main threats to our spirit as we walk into difficulty 
is deception, and he warns us about this. We want him, we want to understand him so that when we see him in unusual, unusual, using quotations, unusual ways, it's not unusual to him, but when we, usually when we get to know Jesus, it's not in a time of trial. And so when we see him differently, when he's coming to us as a warrior, when he's coming to us in times of distress, we may not recognize him. One of the main threats to the church, and even the elect, in the Revelation is deception. You won't recognize him. You will be offended by him if you don't know this part of his spirit. Psalm 91.1 He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High God will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. When we spend time in the secret place, when we, when we understand his heart, when we go to him and he, he reveals himself to us and we see him the way he truly is, it's like we're in his shadow. If you ever got into somebody's shadow, you have to be close to them. You have to be right there next to them. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide. If you want to be sheltered, you have to abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And then you will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God and whom I trust. If you, if you spend time in his shadow, if you just live next to him, he will be your fortress. Psalm 91, a little later in verse 14, it says, Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect to him because he knows my name. So this is God speaking. Because he, because you hold fast to him. In love, he will deliver you. Because you hold fast to him in love, he will deliver you. He will protect you because you know his name. If you spend time in, the sh in his shadow, if you dwell there, he will tell you his name. He will tell you who he is. And he will protect you. I will protect him because he knows my name. Proverbs 18.10 The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. The Lord is a protector. And he will protect you if, he, if you know his name. You have to know where the shelter is. It's amazing to me how protective people are of their therapists. That might sound strange. Therapists are very anxious about complaints. Complaints can destroy therapists. I shouldn't tell you that. Therapists are anxious about their registration bodies and complaints going in and getting chastised. And, and so they want their clients to be happy. And I have clients coming to me, and maybe my clients go to other therapists and complain about me, I don't know. But I have clients coming to me, and they will say, my therapist was awful. They did this, and they did that. And there will be this moment where it's like, so who are they? I don't know if I've ever had a client who has complained bitterly about another therapist tell me that therapist's name. It's incredible to me. They are protective. 
even in great woundedness, they are protective of that person. Maybe they tell their friends, but they won't tell me. I'm amazed at how protective people are of their therapist. There would be way more, many, way more complaints if people weren't protective of their therapists. The power of connecting with somebody is amazing. When you connect with somebody, if I connect with a client, I can mess up enormously later and that person will feel that connection. Cyrus understood me. He made a horrible mistake afterwards, but he understood me and I am going to protect him. When you are in that relationship with the Lord, he will protect you. That connection remains. You stayed with me. You made a huge mistake. But you stayed with me. You stayed in my shadow. You abide with me. And I will protect you. Because we know each other. We sat in a room and we shared. And I connected with you and you connected with me. And you know I'm just a person. And so they're protective of their therapist. They're like, I know, yeah, okay, this therapist did this. But you don't understand that therapist knew me. And I knew them. And I know they're a human being. I'm not going to go see them anymore. And I need to heal from what they did to me because I showed them my heart and they made this mistake and now I have this deep wound. But they saw me. So I'm not going to tell you their name. I'm going to protect them. And God looks at us and he says, you saw me and I saw you and you hurt me, but I'm going to protect you because we are family. We are connected. You know my name. It's beautiful how the Lord protects those who he loves. Another thing that comes from understanding God is the prophetic. Revelation 9, verse 10 says, The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's such a confusing verse. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And that just goes around in my head. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I feel like there's like levels of meaning here. I'm going to get to heaven and he's going to be like, Cyrus, you did pretty good, but here's another level that you didn't hear. So Lord, help us. But the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. My understanding at this point of this is that prophecy is his testimony, prophecy and testimony is his heart. Prophecy is Jesus' heart. Prophecy is the unveiling of Jesus. So basically, the book of Revelation is prophetic because it's unveiling Jesus. If you want to be prophetic, your prophetic spirit needs to come from unveiling the Lord. It's not about you telling them the future. It's about you unveiling what God, what, unveiling what Jesus has for them in the past, in the present, in the future. It's Jesus' heart. If you're unveiling your heart, if you're unveiling the, a demon's heart, that's not the prophetic in truth. You're unveiling Jesus. How are you going to unveil Jesus if you have not unveiled Jesus? 
He is going to tell you something. Like if you're going to discern a prophetic word, if you have a prophetic unction of some kind, there's lots of ways to get them. If you have a prophetic word, how are you going to know that that's the unveiling of Jesus' heart if you have not unveiled Jesus' heart? How are you going to unveil something you don't know? If you want to be prophetic, if you want to reveal God to people, you need to have a prophetic experience. Now, I know that the Spirit works in mysterious ways, so I'm not, like, I'm not saying, what I'm not saying is that you need to have a completely unveiled Jesus before you can do any prophetic word, because the Lord knows that he works through people who are taking a first step in him. But to deeply discern him, you do need to know who he is. Testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The spirit of prophecy is Jesus' testimony. Who he is now, in the future, in the past, it's him. You are unveiling him. The Holy Spirit speaks about Jesus. If you're getting something from the Holy Spirit and it's not about his heart in some way, be like alarm bells should be resounding in your head. Who are you prophesying about? Now, I prophesy, I'm using it wrong, but for the purposes of this understanding this, I prophesy about the gifted people. I'm telling you, I am unveiling to you gifted individuals. I'm telling you about who they are. I'm saying, you don't know the person that I know. You don't know the gifted person, but I can unveil them for you. Gifted people are not out there to destroy you. They're not just conceded, they are in trouble. Don't hope this for your children. They, they're having trouble connecting with you because they see the world so differently. I am speaking, in a manner of speaking, I'm speaking prophetically about them so that you can know somebody that you haven't met yet. Or maybe you can know something more about somebody you have met, but you didn't know that about them. I know them, so I can, I can give you a message about them. I can unveil them for you. But I can't be prophetic. I can't give you a message about them unless I know them. I need to know about gifted people to tell you about gifted people. And once you know about them, your heart can connect with a gifted person more than it could before. Because they are unveiled to you. If you know Jesus, you can unveil him. If I, know, if I know gifted people, I can unveil them to you. So protection comes from this. Connection comes from this. The prophetic comes from this, from understanding Jesus. Authority comes from this. You can know the name of Jesus without having the authority about Jesus. You can know his name intellectually, but that doesn't mean you have authority because you still don't know his name. That's just kind of a synonym. You can know him, but you don't know him. Let's get a little longer. Just say no. It's like, that's a different no. Do you know him? It's a different meaning. English is strange. We think that like, it's not a a language about intonation, but it kind of is. No is different than no. Do you know him? Acts 19. Then some itinerant Jewish exorcists, itinerant Jewish exorcists, undertook 
to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over... This is Acts 19.13. So these people went out and took the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus who Paul proclaims. So I don't know him, but Paul does. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, saying, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and mastered them all and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. I love this verse. Jesus I know, and Paul, who wrote a lot of the Bible, I recognize. But you, who are you? And they mastered them. The demons mastered them and sent them out of the house wounded and naked. Knowing the name of Jesus and knowing the name of Jesus are two different things. Now, I know that people will go out and they'll say, this is simple. Like, this is easy. Go out, pray for people in the name of Jesus, and they get healed. Watch me do it. Do it with me. And it happens. One, two, three. And it happens. And it's powerful. Don't get me wrong. Those are real things that are happening. I believe that. In some cases, there are real encounters with the Spirit. And these people are being brought into the prophetic, discipled into the prophetic in a real and easy way. There is... There is an easy path. There, it doesn't have to be difficult. I don't, I'm not trying to create roadblocks for you in terms of being having authority in Christ. You can walk out. And if you're walking in everything that you know about the Lord, you are walking out in that 100% of your revelation. You are walking out in all that the Lord gave you. Amen to you and you will have power. Because guess what? The most learned person in the Spirit knows very little of what there actually is to know about the Spirit. So all we can do is walk out in our 100%. That's all we can do. So don't compare yourself with the person next to you. The Lord is giving you your anointing and your 100% and do your 100% and then you are at 100%. you get to know him, if you walk in all that you know him, all that you know of him, you will have increasing favor and authority in him in your walk. There is a benefit to getting to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will walk in more authority that the Lord will give you and he will require more of you and it will be a beautiful thing to walk in that. I remember when we walked in the prophetic in the beginning, We would open up our Bibles and all of the verses would be the same. And it would be like, whoa, the Lord is making this so easy. And we would just be like prophesying for people. And the Lord would just line it up. And it's like, why is the prophetic hard for people? They just, you just open up your Bible and you start reading and people get hit with it, right? We would just sit in our apartment, have people over one after the other. And we would, we weren't great at bringing people into the knowing like salvation of the Lord, but we would bring people into the prophetic and it would just be like, snap your fingers easy. And we'd be like, oh, how do you know that? Like, you all got the same verse, and that was me, this, and da, 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 and they would cry, and they would go away, and they would want to prophesy, and it was just glorious. We knew nothing. And we were walking in 100% of what the Lord had given us, and we had authority. 
Let me tell you, the Lord requires more of me now. And it's wonderful to walk in everything that he has given me in order to touch his heart. Because he says, Cyrus, you know more now, so do it. Do what you know. Don't just do what you used to do. Do what I taught you to do. And I will bless you, and you can be prophetic, but now that you know more of me, I am going to require you to do what you know. And it's going to be more in the future. And it's not a burden to connect with the Lord in all that you know. It's a blessing to do that. And so as I walk and I say, Lord, I know that you work this way, and that you work this way in my heart, and that you're speaking to me, and it's this kingly anointing to seek out the Lord in what he's doing in my life. It's this glorious process to spend more time thinking deeply about the Lord's messages in my life. And I spend more time with him and I commune with him in a different way as he teaches me more. And he's like, search for me. I'm not just going to give it to you because I want more than five minutes. It's like, talk to me. I know that you know my voice now, so you have to have faith. Have faith and love me. Spend time with me. And I'm like, Lord, I'm busy because of your assignments. And he says, spend time with me and I will bless you. It's not as easy, but I love you and I want you to spend time with me now. So do that. I speak with authority about people who are gifted. I used to think that when I went on television or when I went on the radio that I needed to come up with something new that nobody else had heard before. And I still do that because it's fun. And I do that here because it's fun. And people like that when they learn something new. But I've also learned that I speak with authority now as a psychologist. And what they're looking for is not necessarily a new idea. They are looking for an idea with authority. So I realize that hosts, news broadcasters, don't hate it when I just repeat what they said. So Cyrus, what should people do now that they can't go to a wedding? Should they come up with a new thing for their family to enjoy this event and make it a new ritual in their family? Yes. <laughs> Thank you for this wonderful interview. You know, you have helped so many people. You're welcome. So insightful. It's not new. It's like, yeah, you got it. That's what they should do. They should come up with something new because rituals help us and the Lord gave us rituals and he connects with us through rituals. And it's amazing the research on rituals. And it's like, yes, Lord, we learned about another ritual today. And it's like, Jesus gave us rituals. He gave us communion because he made our hearts to connect with him through things that are familiar and ways that he connects to people. And it's amazing. And it's another way that he speaks to us. And yes, you got that right. You took the words right out of my mouth. But when I go online and when I go on the radio, when I go on television, I say it. It's different than when a news broadcaster says it. When a news broadcaster says it, it's like, what do you know? I don't know. Maybe, maybe people trust a news broadcaster. But it's like, what do you know? But when a psychologist comes on and says it, people are like, oh, that's true. Maybe a little bit more. 
depends how much authority you have. But the authority doesn't have to be new. It just has to be seen as authoritative. There are some people who go out and say, I know Jesus, be healed. This is the word from the Lord. And something happens. There is an authority. There's a belief. Somebody else knows to say that. They go out and they say it and nothing happens. There's no authority there. They don't know. They said the right thing, but they don't know God. If you know Jesus and you speak about him, you will have more authority. If you want to reveal Jesus to people, it's not about saying, in the name of Jesus. It's about knowing him and having that authority. It doesn't have to be unique. You don't have to come up with a new way of saying it. You just have to say it with authority. You have to say it because you know him. In the name of Jesus. Not the Jesus who Paul preaches. The Jesus who I know. I don't want you running out of anywhere naked and wounded. I want you to know him. When you see Revelation going through these different descriptions of Jesus, the faithful witness, he's got a sword coming out of his mouth, what in the world is that about? He's got fire. Firstborn from the dead. He's not firstborn from the dead. What? There is truth there for you. If you don't know why there's a sword coming out of his mouth, I want you to know that. I want you to experience the revelation of who Jesus is. Not the Jesus that you imagine him to be, but the Jesus who actually walks and talks and is coming back for you. The real Jesus, so that when you look up, you're not deceived. So that when you speak to somebody, they know that you know him. You're not just speaking out of your imagination. You actually met somebody. There is a blessing in the book of Revelation. Revelation 1.3. Blessed is he who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it. And who keep what is written in it. For the time is near. I'm going to read that again. I love blessing. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Father, I'm reading it. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it. You hear it. Amen. (laughs) And who keep, this is tougher, who keep what is written in it. How do you keep the prophecy? For the time is near. How do you keep this? I know. (laughs) One of the ways... Is to understand who he is. It's the revelation of Jesus. It kind of becomes obvious. It's like, why would pre-trib, post-trib, why would that bless me? The prophecy 
The book of Revelation is about revealing him. It makes sense. If you understand who he is, it's a blessing for you. He's saying to you, it's good to get to know me. I'm not conceited. It's just really good for you to get to know me. Trust me. You will be blessed if you know who I am. You're going to do better in this life. You're going to do better in the next life. You're going to do better in persecution if you know who I am. As we, become, as we know who he is, we will open up our spirits. As I know who somebody is, I open up my spirit to them. It's like, oh, you're conceited. Oh, no, you're not conceited. You're gifted. I understand. You're wounded. Oh, and now that I feel this, I'm going to protect you. Whew. I could tell other people to not hurt you. I can prophesy about you. I could tell people about who you are. And I can have authority about what you're going through. I can tell people who you are with authority. Can the worship team come up? to a, a time where everything is new or already here everything is new again we're going into a time when the Lord is creating and he's creating in Maplecrest he's creating in the world he's doing a new thing Winnipeg will be different when this is over and it's not just different because of a virus it's different because of his spirit In the book of Revelation, he makes everything new. And it's painful. It's a new thing. And it's glorious as he reveals himself. And everybody shields their eyes at the glory of the Lord. And they wonder at him. And they say, is he good? As we go into a new thing in this church, as we go into a new thing in this city, I want you to know who he is. So that you are stable and rested. So you respond out of affection and love and faith. I want you to know who he is. So that as you respond, you don't respond in fear and anger and woundedness. I want you to take your shoes off. And your socks off. And I want you to walk onto the holy ground that he's making. And I want you to be sensitive to what he's doing in this place. I want you to feel the Lord. And I want you to be able to identify him because he's going to feel different than you felt him before. The Lord, that's, the Lord is going to feel different than he felt before in the name of Jesus. We pray for revival. We pray for an infilling of his spirit. Let me tell you, when he does something different, it feels different. And that's okay. When the Lord does something different, it feels different. And you have to know who he is to identify it. So, Father, I pray that as we go into worship now, that you would help us to be discerning, to, to learn who you are as we feel you in a new way, as we feel you in a different way. You are glorious, Lord. You're beautiful. You're full of truth. You are the firstborn. You are the favored one. 
you have a sword coming out of your mouth, your truth cuts all down all deception. Everything that walks in opposition to your word will fall in the name of Jesus. You are glorious. The light comes from you. Lord, help us to understand who you are and not just rely on our own understanding, our own imaginations, but help us to know the real God who's coming. We're all learning together. Amen. Why don't you stand with us? We're going to sing a song. We're going to go into ministry time. We're speaking about new wine because the Lord is going to bring new wine and we need to be ready for it. Amen. Thank you, Father.